This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two of Under the Dome coming your way right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And, of course, we're coming to you live, as always, from the Game Studios. Hear this worldwide. And appreciate you listening in, however you're doing. So, be it, again, in Lafayette on 103.7 FM, the Tower of Power, the Mothership, or on 104.1 Lake Charles. You can catch us all throughout southwest Louisiana, damn near to the Texas border. I, I was getting a text from loyal listener he was driving out towards texas making his way back the other day so he's able to catch it a good ways nearing the te- a little bit outside the texas border once you got towards i think beaumont or so and then once you got to lake charles it was crystal clear so again if you're heading out that way you're making your way back you can be on 1041 once you get into kinder though make sure you just move it a couple notches over to the left to get to 103.7 on your FM dial. But if you just don't want to miss a single second of it, just download our mobile apps, the game 103.7 or the game 104.1 to listen to us wherever you go. And I think we had some tech issues. Hour one, that is no problem because we have it up on demand right now. We gotta have it up after the show. Make sure you go to Under the Dome with CD on any podcast app that you have. Google, Apple, Spotify, you name it, we are on it. So make sure you get in while you can fit it in and listen in to the program. We got a lot more to get to in hour number two, and that includes the biggest story involving the Saints this week outside of a new head coach, which is crazy to think about. It all comes down to Alvin Kamara, and I'm wondering, how long exactly does AK-41 get suspended for what happened over in Vegas before the Pro Bowl whenever he got a warrant for his arrest? What happens to him? Because this is very different than what we saw with, you know, Lattimore and a couple other players as well this season that did get suspended like three games, nothing much for off-the-field stuff. And it took a while for those things to happen, but I think at the end of the day, the fact that we haven't even gotten to a trial yet says a lot because this was, I think, supposedly going to go to trial like the next day. He got arrested on Sunday. was going to go down on a Monday, but it got pushed to like March 8th or something. So that brings up a whole different conversation. This thing is going to be a mess. But then you wonder, like, what did it take 
for somebody to piss off Alvin Kamara that much. Like he feels like he is a just a stand-up guy all the way around. And of course, the people with him and his legal team are saying that the allegations are not consistent with who Kamara has been shown himself to be both in his public and private life. And they're looking into all of the circumstances and individuals associated with this matter to determine both the facts and motivations involved. And again, if you didn't know, you were living under a rock this week. He was arrested following the Pro Bowl Sunday and booked on suspicion of battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. And according to a report, he stomped, he, uh, he, the victim was stomped about 23 times and punched nine times. Punched nine times. It was wild just to see how all that happened. Again, Kamara, all records, seems like a really good guy, and has a cool head on his shoulders. And he makes you wonder, did he, did that person instigate it to a point where somebody in the circle couldn't even hold Kamara back or Kamara joined in? I, I, I want to know what happened. Uh, I know there's re- detailed reports, but just to see what the actual, what happened. And how we got Kamara that infuriated. But we go out to the 103, the game hotline, excuse me, the game hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, CB, it's Ralph, man. Hey, Ralph, Look, what's um, good? I'm not sure if you went to the um, the quote-unquote victim's uh, uh, Twitter page, but it's at Squirtbuck. That's his um, nickname. He's a self-proclaimed uh, event promoter. If you read his recent tweets, and this is before the – uh, Kamara incident, you'll get a pretty good idea of why uh, they ended up not being able to tolerate him. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's um, he He's an obnoxious person. I mean, just – and I'm not saying the justifies the degree to which they beat him up, um, you know, and, and certainly pouncing on him while he was unconscious. That's uncalled for. Yeah. But to, the, what it actually instigated it, I could easily see how that happened just kind of looking at what this guy posts on Twitter. It, it's like I said, it's unreal. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how this all is going to go down because does Roger Goodell, because, again, they knew about this. Goodell had a press conference earlier this week and basically said him and his people knew about the allegations and knew he was a suspect before the Pro Bowl even bleeping happened. And that makes you kind of yeah. question, like, how bad is the suspension going to be? Because, again, the Saints got off lucky last year with a couple off-the-field incidents. This is a whole different ball game. There's a chance where I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kamara doesn't play the first eight games of the season. I would not be surprised. No, no. And, and, and I think the only saving grace is that if you look at the fact that they actually did allow him to play, I think that would be a bad look for for the commissioner if you if he you go back after and, and he does suspend him for let's say eight games or even a, a year or whatever and then then well obviously the follow up question is well why did you let him play in the game if you knew it was just egregious of an offense you know and so um, I, I, it's hard to tell with that with the NFL and, and, and Goodell and uh, obviously if Peyton was still the head coach I would be bracing myself for the worst because he could not stand him. Um, but maybe he'll, um, you know, maybe things will come out in the wash that, that haven't been disclosed yet, and and, uh, and we'll see. But as you said, I mean, and again, you can't um, 
justify the degree that the force was used, but Kamara is no. one of the most chill people that you're ever gonna gonna see, and it has to be something more than him just calling somebody ugly. You know, it it, it has to be. Um, now, what they they were smart. They should let the guy get on the elevator and then beat him exactly. up in the elevator. But well, you, there wasn't you, any cameras. You, know? you, you, you say that, oh. but the say you say that, but at the same time, who's to say there there wasn't a camera in the elevator? Do I need to bring up Ray Rice? Well, yeah, I guess I guess so. You know, but uh, uh, yeah, I said, man, man yeah, I, I guess maybe you know. Maybe they ended up um, uh, stealing Mike Tyson's tiger, and uh, you know maybe Mike Tyson was the guy who actually came in and beat the guy up or something. He, maybe um, he was one or, of them that punched him in the face nine times. Yeah, it kind of it kind of goes. You know, it it, it actually sounds like a, a scene from The Hangover uh, in, in a way. But anyway, I just I just wanted to throw in my two cents real quick. Look, I, I'm an, I'm an old guy. Uh, I make no bones about it. Um, and I go back to the – I was lucky enough to be at USL in the glory days of basketball when you could not – literally it was like when the ice skaters were so hot uh, for the first couple of years. To get a ticket to Black and Coliseum for a Cajuns home game, and thankfully I was a student and I, and I actually was in broadcasting, so I got to, to actually do some, some stuff on, in the press box. or press, When a press box, you just sat on the, on the sidelines. Um, but – it was such an environment and such a great an impact, and it was actually a revenue-generating sport. I mean, that's my concern right now is that they're losing money, and, and this Cajun program can't afford – it's not in a financial position for a what should be a revenue-generating sport to be losing money. And, and I think that's a, that's a big concern. And, 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 and um, you know, I think I, – I do honestly think it's – it's probably time for a change. What I see in Coach Marlin, he's a great guy. I know him. I mean, he, he's got integrity. Uh, you, you don't worry about violations. And he can recruit. But his in-game coaching leaves a lot to be desired. And, and that, to me, is the, the most glaring weakness, you know. So, um, you know, when your girls' softball program's out drawing your men's basketball, you've got, um, you've got some problems. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I appreciate the call, Ralph. And you know, I'll, I'll double back to that real quick. So, with with Bob, and again, I agree with him. Great guy. Bob has always been very upfront, honest, and just a overall good guy. Every time I see him, even after I've largely been kind of away in the last, let's say, like seven, eight months since I took on a newer role within the Delta Media family, I have bumped into Bob Marley a couple times. And he's outright just going, hey, how you doing, man? How's it going, Clint? I, that's something that I don't see. I, like, I guarantee you, if I saw Will Wade in that kind of situation, I don't think I would get that handshake. I'm not saying Will Wade wouldn't, but I think I'd probably get more, like, nice guy, shake your hand, say, hey, how you doing, Clint? All that stuff and say, hey, how's everything going? That's what I like about a guy like Bob. Phenomenal character. Phenomenal guy. But, again, I agree with him. Is in-game coaching leaves a lot to be desired. Recruiter, hell of a recruiter. But you flip it over, also, to almost to Ralph's point, is the fact that he has ha- gotten a lot of BOTD, benefit of the doubt, over the last few years because of what I mentioned earlier. Injuries, guys like Malik Marchetti, Kobe Julian, the list goes on and on. There has been a lot of injuries that have caused this team to not perform at the level you want to. Now that Albatross is long gone, you've had a lot of players be able to play throughout conference. 
and a lot of solid players, solid transfers, and they haven't lived up to the hype one bit. What's going on? There's one rule in my books, and it says if you can't get things done over a certain period of time, if you can't consistently get into the NCAA tournament, I'm not saying every year. I'm saying at least a five-year window. If you're doing what you're doing and you're recruiting extremely well, getting good, solid transfers, guys from the state of Louisiana where there are some really good hoopsters, you've got to think, you got to look in the mirror and realize maybe it's me. That's kind of where I'm at with one Bob Marlin. That's just my opinion. Maybe you got yours as well. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. We've got Brandon Seho joining the program at 1130 from WLWT Sports. And when we come back, I want to stick to bas- basketball for a minute. I'm going to get to one more point Ralph had when we come back, and then we'll get to some Pelicans talk. Because the Pelicans actually did a thing, and it was good. Now, how it's turned out so far, the early returns, not great. But again, very small sample size. We'll talk about that and more. You're listening to Under the Dome on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The world-famous CD has a lot of thoughts about anything from the world of sports to what the right order is at your favorite eating establishment. Don't get me wrong. Extra toast is always a good thing, but extra fries is far superior and doesn't fill you up as much. Get in on the conversation and chat him up at 337-706-0111. Now, back to Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday afternoon listening in to Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And I was just absolutely blown away with the trade deadline this week. For once, the trade deadline was actually pretty doggone cool. Just see everything that went down, especially when it comes to one of the trades in the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll talk about that in a minute. Going to have Brandon Seho on in about 11 minutes, talking all things Cincinnati Bengals heading into Super Bowl 56. So crazy to think that a team went from worst to at worst runner-up in the Super Bowl. Kind of cool stuff. It's been a cool last year for that team. But when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans, they did something spectacular with the trade for C.J. McCollum. They were hyper-aggressive getting him there, and it maybe lit a fire under David Griffin's backside. That was a huge thing to see, and I'll talk about that in a minute. I want to get back to what Ralph was talking about, comparing Cajun softball to men's basketball and how it's drawing. Here's the thing, Here's the thing with that conversation, that comparison. 
I think that softball, especially here in the state of Louisiana, the way it's been built, the way it's been branded, and I'm talking about Louisiana as in the state, I'm including LSU in the mix here, is you can't not include them in this. Hell, even McNeese, to a certain level, has been a consistent force, has been a consistent needle mover. So, yes, I get where he's coming from with that statement about it, but at the same time, it's almost apples and oranges because, especially with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and LSU softball, they have both been blue bloods and front runners to make it to the Women's College World Series almost every year. And that's probably going back to the Aved Gerard days. In fact, you know, he brought the Ice Gators. The other day, I wound up going down a YouTube wormhole unlike any other and finding a bunch of old bumpers from KLFY TV 10, and they congratulated the Lady Cajuns for making it. And this is back, I think, I'd say late 80s, early 90s. And going back and seeing it, congratulations to them for making it to the Women's College World Series. So again, going back to that time frame, that's how long it's been that team's been a blue blood and a consistent winner. Fans love a winner, but they also have an underdog story. You can't have both, but for the most part, it's also the fact that they've built in a very invested, very excited fan base every single year. A couple years ago, that Cajuns team, if not for COVID, they would have made the Women's College World Series. I can tell you that right now, today. There's no doubt in my mind. But to compare the two, because basketball has been like kind of eh over here, especially with the Cajuns. There's been moments where you're like, oh, hey, we're excited, we're excited, we're excited. And then a lot like Dogecoin last year, that bubble burst. That's what happened. It popped, and you realize this team wasn't as like hype as we thought it they were. And that's fine because sometimes you just got to come to that realization if you're a fan if you're a if you're part of a fan base you've got to kind of sit here and realize hey we messed up we're going to move on and push forward we're just going to we're just going to we're going to deal with it down the road and that's kind of where I'm at i mean the bubbles burst for a long time on this cages team i think bob arnold's done at the end of the year He's on the hot seat, but I feel like the hot seat is just going to be him out the seat by the end of the year. Unless they win the Sunbelt Tournament or he's a runner-up. No no ifs, ands, or buts about it, in my mind. But going back to the Pelicans. So they made a big trade for C.J. McCollum, basically getting C.J. and Larry Nance. And also, you got rid of Josh Hart. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, which sucked. That, I think that's the one that hurt the most. Josh Hart had been playing well. NAW, Naw had been playing pretty darn well in the time he'd been with the Pels. He had rid of Didi Luzada, which, again, you got rid of some, na- some solid names, some young pieces, to get a really good piece to build around Brandon Ingram with C.J. McCollum. And even Larry Nance Jr. isn't half bad. It's, it's pretty quality. In my mind. 
And this is a huge step in the right direction for the Pelicans in the long term if you're able to keep these things together. Because at the end of the day, you are, you're at least contending right now. Like, seriously. You are in contention right now, heading into the All-Star break for a spot in the play-in tournament. Now, the goal is not to make the play-in tournament. The goal is to make the big dance, but at least you have a shot to get into the big dance. That's all that matters if you're the New Orleans Pelicans and if you're the front office, and especially if you're David Griffin. Because David Griffin has made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake since taking over. He's bungled this franchise worse than I could have imagined. Because you go from having Anthony Davis. Now, mind you, Anthony Davis had to go. He got to go. You you got Zion Williamson. You started building a team around guys like Lonzo. and You had some really good pieces. But you couldn't get it done with Alvin Gentry. You let him go, which it was time. It was, it was time for him to go. And mind you, Sacramento Kings have broken in beyond repair. So... I mean, I think Alvin Jensen might be hanging it up before long, but that's a different conversation. Then you get to, I think, probably the biggest mistake any coach ever made or any GM has ever made, and that's hiring the man that's going to build a bleeping wall in SVG. Hiring him was one of the worst mistakes I think the Pelicans have made. It was a one-hit wonder, and it was a pretty bad one-hit wonder at that. I'd probably say more along the lines of Goche, somebody that I used to know, kind of bad. One-hit wonder. So, for me, they're doing well with their new head coach in green. Willie Green has done a really solid job. And you're number 10, you're a 10 seed right now. You are getting into the, if the playoffs were today, you'd be in the playing tournament. And if you're the Pelicans, that's a big plus. That is good news. And sometimes if your team like the Pels, who's 22 and 33, yes, getting into the play-in tournament at a 400 clip isn't great. But trust me, look at the MLB. You see that kind of stuff all the time. You see teams Sub-500, make it in the NFL playoffs. The playing tournament, it is what it is. Hell, your eight seed is, has a win-loss average or win percentage of 474. 474. So right now, you have a chance. You're, you're controlling your own destiny right now. So, of course, you've got to be buyers. You sold off some some solid names, some solid pieces to get veterans alongside B.I. That's huge. Now, what happens to Zion Williamson is anybody's guess. I think you keep him around for a little while, and hopefully he gets healthy. He can kind of get over his injuries. If not, he's a draft bust and probably one of the worst draft busts like in the modern era. Because this guy came in to Duke heavily hyped, the sneaker blowout could very well be a 30 for 30 five years from now. And how much that changed Zion Williamson's trajectory. Who knows? But I think we all got to wonder. 
when is that time going to be to where the Pelicans are going to have to cut loose? Because, you know, he hasn't played at all this year. He's played very minimally his rookie season for obvious reasons. He he started really picking up the pace right before COVID started picking up here in the States. Fast forward now, 2021, he didn't play all that much. He gained weight. There was a lot of stuff going on with him. And I think now you've got to make that game plan about how you progress in 2022 and beyond with or without Zion. Do, how do you make that decision? How do you make that declaration? I don't know. But it's going to be interesting times, to say the very least. All right, it's Under the Dome. You're listening to us on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 out in Lake Charles. We're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And coming up next, we're going to get into some talk about the big game, Super Bowl 56 which, by the way, you'll hear on this fine station. With Brandon Seho, going to talk some Bengals and more right here on 1037, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Once again, we're Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back after this. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To Under the Dome right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hopefully, you're having a great Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon as well. And a great weekend because it's Super Bowl Eve. I'm so excited because again, it's a it's a great matchup, I think, with the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. And now we go over to the hotline to bring on Brandon Seho, a guy who used to cover the LSU Tigers a few years ago before making his way back up to his hometown of Cincinnati. Now he's covering the Reds, the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bearcats, and so much more for WLWT Sports. That's Brandon Seho. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm awake. It's, uh, I can't, I'll be honest. I, I know I'm not playing in the Super Bowl, but I cannot sleep, man. It is it is crazy to think about the Bengals being in the Super Bowl, and it's, I've had how many days? 12, 13 days to think about it. It still doesn't seem real. Oh, no, it doesn't seem real at all, especially when you think about the perspective of it all, right? Because you go back to what happened with this team last year, back in November, whenever Joe Burrow got injured, injured his ACL, season was done. And you yeah. fast forward to today, that team literally was dead last in the AFC North. You fast forward, they're AFC North champs. They are the true underdog story of this NFL season. And somehow, some way, they get to the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl, against the Los Angeles Rams. It was it, it, If you told me at the beginning of the year that that was going to be the matchup, 
I probably would have laughed in your face. I, I would have done the, the same thing. I mean, I thought the Bengals had a chance to make a playoff push, maybe you know get get in and win the wild card, not win the division, and then run the table in the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl, including beating the number one seed Titans at Tennessee and then going to Arrowhead and coming back from 18 down against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I truly think, and people keep asking me, you know, do I think the Bengals are going to win on Sunday? And I say, yes, I think they are because it's been a team of destiny on this playoff run. And it's for those who don't know, Cincinnati has been a long It's a great sports town, great sports town, and it has a lot of history. But for the last 32 years, it's been a long-suffering sports town that hasn't won anything in the postseason, not just a championship. The last playoff win for the Bengals was 89 before this year, and the Reds' last series win was 95. So there's a whole generation, including myself, who are from, you know, five years old to 30 years old that have never seen a playoff win or a championship. So I think it's a team of destiny and I, it's, they're going to, they're going to win it. It's crazy to think about it that way, but it's just been what they've done in the playoffs has been much bigger than just, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals winning football games. It's really cultivated the whole city. Oh no, it's been amazing to see how much it's captivated the entire city. And I think to a certain extent, the entire state outside of, one city called Cleveland, Ohio. I'm gonna get to a little bit later, but I saw I saw these odds, and this is like Kevin Malone type stuff from the office. Plus ten thousand odds at the beginning of the year for the Bengals to win Super Bowl Fifty Six. That's like incredible odds, and if you put money on that, I want a piece of that money that you're gonna get if they win tomorrow night. But looking at this team, again, going back to Joe Burrow, it's just the chemistry that him and Jamar Chase have has been absolutely unreal. It transition it's like they picked off right where they left off from the magical twenty nineteen national championship season where the LSU was undefeated to now where you're seeing them every single game, like highlight real worthy touchdown passes. Right. And I thought that you know, if there's any place that just talking about Joe Burrow first, if, I thought if there was any place that Joe Burrow could go and not be Joe Burrow, it could be Cincinnati just because we're so used to failing and not winning the big games and not getting, not winning a playoff game, not getting to the championships. So the, the Joe Burrow factor, number one, that's the biggest thing. The Joe Burrow factor is real. We're seeing it. It's the Bengals find ways to win with him at quarterback, and it is incredible to watch. And It's really, I mean, he's the start of something special here, I think, with Joe Burrow. And then the fact that him and Jamar Chase have just picked up right where they left off. I mean, they're one of the best one-two punches in the NFL already. It's their first year their first year playing together. I mean, Chase won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Burrow had Comeback Player of the Year. That combo in Cincinnati is going to be so much fun to watch. And they just, you, you asked Burrow about it, and he's like, I have thousands and thousands of reps with him, they can just give each other a look and they know which route he's going to run or what the coverage is doing or that, you know, throw it back shoulder, front shoulder. I mean, like, they're just so familiar with each other that it is a competitive disadvantage to anyone who lines up against them. I don't care if it's a it's a fifth-grade cornerback or Jalen Ramsey this Sunday. You cannot prepare for that chemistry that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have. 
And it's impressive to see how much they've worked out well, especially when they have so many weapons to choose from because it's not just Chase. It's not just him being the guy that's leading the way. You've also got T. Higgins. You've also got a lot of – I mean – you got yeah, they're tied in the name I can't I can't pronounce off the top of my head, but DJ Uzama. What what's the status for him first off before I get to the question? He will play oh, tomorrow. Good. I don't know. He was it was a full participant in practice yesterday in LA. He's, he's Coach Taylor said he is good to go and will play. I don't know if he's a hundred percent. I wouldn't imagine so after an MCL sprain, but he said it's the biggest game of his life that he's definitely going to play. And that would be huge to have him a part of this team. But you look at it, that offensive firepower is on another level, and it's definitely a big reason why this team has been in the position, why they're in the position they're in. But at the same time, the conversation's always going to shift towards offensive line. Because you go look at the divisional round. You got sacked You got sacked nine times, Joe Burrow did, and you know that you're going up against a veritable like all-timer front seven with Aaron Donald and Von Miller, a rejuvenated Von Miller at that leading the way. Yeah, I that's that's the one thing you point to. And I know LSU fans, I saw it, and people at LSU texting me or tweeting me talking about, are the Bengals ever going to fix that O-line? Because last year, Burrow got absolutely crushed. This year, it feels a little better, but it's still the most sacked by any quarterback in the league at 50-something that he's taken this year. So that's not great, but the good thing is, on the flip side, like you said, they have so many pieces on offense, whether it be, you know, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Nixon, Uzama, and they, the defense is playing really, really good, and they have great additions from down in the boot with Trey Hendrickson and Von Bell. So the one big thing, this is going to be the offensive line draft, it's going to be the offensive line free agency year, for the Bengals, that's the one big thing, and it's really the only glaring need. And they were able to get to the Super Bowl with this offensive line. So that's what I'm, what I'm talking about, Burrow, it's just the start of something special, and the Bengals just being the start of something special. I mean, it's only going to get better. Just think about that. Whatever happened this year, I just it, it's only going to get better because they're going to add better pieces. People want to come play with Burrow. Shoot, you saw what? Rob Gronkowski said, he said if he doesn't play for Tom Brady, he wants to play with Joe Burrow. That's going to happen, and it's crazy to think about Cincinnati is going to be a landing spot for any player that Burrow wants. And an offensive line, obviously, is a big key coming up this offseason in the draft. Talking now, Brandon Seho, WLWT Sports out in Cincy. And we bring up everything, like, it's kind of like over here, we, we talk about like Lanya, but it feels like right now what you're doing right now, you're playing with house money, Things are going extremely well, and you bring up that like it's only going to get better. At the same time, though, the the NFL, especially the AFC, is getting so much stronger now. Now that Tom Brady has released his vice grip off that conference, where you got Josh Allen, you've got Pat Mahomes. This is going to be a fun conference to watch for years to come, especially with Joe Burrow now. And I've said, I've said a lot since the second he got drafted because that 2020 season, the 2019 season for LSU, excuse me, the game started to slow down for him. I think it's safe to say that's already happening in the NFL, and that's a dangerous thing with a guy like Burrow. No question about it. And you've seen it. This is really his first. You get to week, what did he, you get to week like 10. That was really the point that was like 
combined from last year before he got hurt and this year. That was like his first full, and you know, that was his rookie season. Now, I mean, it is incredible to watch. He's just comfortable. He knows the looks he's getting. He, he has the familiarity with, with, with Zach calling the plays. And it is just, it, like I said, like you said, too, it's, it's only going to get better. And the battles are going to get bigger each year against these AFC powerhouses, whether it be the Chiefs, the Bills. Got the, I mean, the AFC North still, Big Ben's out, which, you know, isn't great news for the Bengals because he wasn't getting any better. So the Bengals were going to keep beating the Steelers. But you're going to go up against Baker and Cleveland. You're going to go up against Lamar and Baltimore. And there's just going to be battles in the AFC for years and years to come. And in the first full year of doing it and in the playoffs, I mean, think about this. Burrow's undefeated in the playoffs so far in the NFL. The Bengals hadn't won a playoff game in 31 years yeah. before, before three weeks ago. It's, it's just it's wild to me that, that what we're saying about the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow right now, a month ago, we couldn't say because we didn't know. I mean, we knew that Joe Burrow has the Joe Burrow effect. He's the X factor for the Bengals, like just like he was for LSU. But I didn't know this was possible this quick. I thought we were, you know, maybe a year or two out from a playoff run, a Super Bowl run. This is just as much as we talk about it. It still just you know feels feels crazy. <laughs> Did Zach Taylor get robbed as the NFL head coach of the year? Because I felt like he definitely deserved it. And again, that's not that's not to disrespect any of the other head coaches in the league. But when you take a team from worst to first in the AFC, I think that deserves a little more credence. I know obviously these votes are done before at the end of the season, but still. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I know Vrabel, and, and he did a great job this year, and he got Tennessee to the number one seed, and they had to do it without Derrick Henry for you know some parts of the season with his injury. But, I mean, I don't know if people remember or not, but Zach Taylor and the Bengals went on the road and beat Tennessee, the number one seed. In Nashville, so I'm with you. I think he kind of got robbed, but the way the votes were set up, it you know, it Vrabel almost swept the entire board. So he, he's a great coach. I think uh, Taylor. I don't know Taylor's year. Maybe it'll be next year if they go back to the playoffs and, and make another run like this, like we think they will. But yeah, I think he kind of got robbed because, like you said, it's kind of a storybook year of going from worst to the Super Bowl. It's crazy. We've been talking a lot about the offensive side. You brought up some of the defensive players, obviously names that we all know, like Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell, and some guy named Eli Apple, who apparently has a has a <laughs> me, has an axe to grind correct, with with the, with. Let me correct his food takes. His food takes. I I don't want to get in Twitter wars because <laughs> I just don't do that. But being someone that's, that's lived down there, the food is like the one of the best the people are number one and the food is number two in louisiana like i just i could not stand for him dogging louisiana food like i i wish there was a prop bet for receiving yards allowed on eli apple and i, I would take the over <laughs> every day and like twice on sunday because I, I just like he's the one guy on that Bengals team i'm like okay bleep this guy especially after all the, the trash he was talking about the new orleans saints but looking at the defense, how big is that going to be to try and stop Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup and stop Matt Stafford and like make Matt Stafford look like Detroit Matt Stafford, not L.A. Rams Stafford? Right. Well, he still throws a lot of interceptions, so that's good for the Bengals' defense. It makes key plays a lot. And look, 
we'll, we'll start with Eli Apple. He does talk a lot, and he has had an up-and-down season, really disappointing in the early parts of it. And even in these playoff games, he's had moments where you're like, what, what's going on with Eli Apple? And, of course, Louisianians and, and Saints fans are going to focus on that too. But he has a P.I. against the Chiefs. Gives them a, gets, they get a touchdown two plays later in the first half. But then to end the half, he makes that what, what really was the game-changing tackle to keep them out of the end zone. Clock runs out. They go to halftime. And the Bengals do that comeback. He also tipped the ball for the interception that, by Logan Wilson that set up the game-winning field goal in, in Nashville for Evan McPherson. So it is crazy that he has those bad moments, but then he also comes up in big moments. Like you said, the key is going to be stopping the air attack of Stafford and company. I mean, the Bengals have maybe the best safety combo. I mean, the Bengals think they do when it comes to Jesse Bates uh, and Von Bell. But, I mean, the linebackers are really good, too. Like, Logan Wilson is a guy who he doesn't get enough pub, but he just makes play after play. He picked off. Uh, he had that interception in Tennessee. He, he just – this defense has played really, really great. And they're, like, right in the middle of the pack statistically. But it's kind of like Joe Burrow on the offense. They need to get it done. They get it done and are able to help this team win. And the front with, with Hendrickson, Reeder, Hubbard – I mean, it is it, they are dangerous when they get going, and they they play motivated and they play together, and that's the one thing Burrow and uh, Joe Mixon, some of the other guys talked about yesterday at Media Day in LA was our team just plays together. We're unselfish, and we know when we need to stop, we're going to get it, and the offense is going to come out, or defense is going to come out and score, or get a stop. It's they just play together, and I think that's what fueled this entire run. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy your weekend. I know you've uh, been busy as all get out of the last, like, two weeks. Yeah, I will. Hootay, it's been fun watching all the videos down in the boot of people watching uh, Burrow and the Bengals. It's super cool for my world to connect. So I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, Brandon Seho, WLWT Sports. Appreciate him joining the program. And we're about to get out of here. We got one more segment, and that means we got one more take for you out there. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and ladies and gentlemen, we're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Not just Acadian anymore. We're getting bigger. We're getting stronger, and dare I say, more dangerous. Back after this. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And right before we head on out of here, got one more take. That's how we do things here on a Louisiana Saturday afternoon, right before we get you to more national radio. But also we got, by the way, LSU basketball against Mississippi State later on today. So that's something to look forward to, something to put in the planner to enjoy some basketball. Again, we got Super Bowl Sunday coming up. A lot of great things on the horizon. But in the meantime and in between time, my final take has to go to none other than Sean Payton. We open up the show talking about his replacement, Dennis Allen. 
And Sean Payton was on Jim Rome yesterday. Loved hearing him on with Jim O's. And I love the fact that I actually heard three relative twos back to back to back. Tom Amansky style, shout out Ben Love. So I heard him talk about his future, and he brought up Bill Cowher. I agree with what he said, absolutely positively, that Bill Cowher was able to turn his like future around by going to the media side, and it paid off in spades. He didn't have to go back to be a coach because after a few years, I think he realized, a lot like maybe Sean Payton is going to realize, that there's a lot more money, number one, to be made, and number two, a whole hell of a lot less stress doing a desk job, being an analyst for the Football Night in America show today on CBS or NFL on Fox. It's so much easier to do that than anything that's going on right now as a head coach. If we're being completely honest and transparent with each other, if you were given that opportunity, you'd take it in a heartbeat. And that's where it's at if you're Sean Payton. I think, given the opportunity, I think he would excel. And there's going to be a spot available for him, I think, not too far down the line. Because going back to what I was talking about a couple weeks ago, I think that Jimmy Johnson, you know, a lot of guys are getting older. They're going to want to step away from the booth and step away from doing those network things. Terry Bradshaw, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires. Because, again, not getting any younger. And seeing fresher faces, it's going to be very different. Because, again, Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson, those guys have been part of the NFL on Fox pregame shows for years. Pretty much my entire childhood and then some. So I wouldn't be surprised that they would stick around for maybe a couple more years, but there's an opportunity for Sean Payton to slide in and be a consistent part of a broadcast. Could be off base, but that's kind of where I'm at right now with that. But I think there's something to be said about the potential Sean Payton has to be a great NFL analyst in the next two to three years. Could be completely wrong, but I think it's going to happen. That's where my heart lies. And hopefully your heart lies in tuning in to Under the Dome next Saturday. Same bad time, same bad channel. We'll continue the conversation about the New Orleans Saints, Cajuns. Cajun, dude, college baseball starts next week, so trust me, this show is going to get a whole lot more fun. I cannot freaking wait till next week's show. Until then, I've been CD, and you've been listening to Under the Dome on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and we are bigger than ever. Talk to you next week. Peace.